Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Okay, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Today we're back with Matt Brown in Uganda. Matt and his wife, Jessica, are in the final stretch of a long journey to stand up a clean water company in Uganda. It's been a fantastic opportunity to follow their adventure on this podcast over the years. So Matt, welcome back to the program. Can't wait to hear the latest. Thanks, Jonathan. Glad to be back on. So for those that aren't familiar with your story, maybe they're new to this podcast or they haven't followed your journey that we've been chronicling here, uh, maybe you could do a quick kind of a recap on what you guys are doing and why and uh, kind of bring everybody up to speed. Yeah. So um, uh, my name is Matt Brown. I'm here with my family, uh, my wife, Jessica Brown, and then we got three little kids. Um, we've been in Uganda for about two years now, um, uh, trying to get a water distribution uh, system set up. So sustainable water distribution um, in remote areas is kind of our focus. Um, so we have a nonprofit in the U.S. We started and then we've just helped get an NGO set up here in Uganda um, to kind of oversee all of that. Um, so, yeah, our, our focus is um, finding ways to bring in revenue for water, clean water, that's at an affordable rate for people in um, village settings. So, I mean, just dirt cheap solutions that can still keep the pumps turned on basically so they don't, you know, fail in the long run. So anyways, we're, yeah, we've just been kind of chipping away at that for a while now and been seeing some pretty good progress. That's exciting. And I know it's been a long journey, but one of the driving factors early on that you mentioned was just the amount of time that people take just focused on getting water every day. Can you help people understand yeah. like the level of felt need here that you're you're yeah. up against? Oh, man. Yeah, it's so hard to even for me. <laughs> I live here. It's hard to really um, appreciate just how much of a burden it is. But we did a bunch of community surveys in this particular town that we're working in called Karuma. It's in the north of Uganda. Um, and these surveys kind of match with other village settings too. But um, on average, a family member, usually a, a wife or even the kids actually, um, they're the ones going to be collecting water. They spend six to eight hours a day, every single day, um, collecting water. Wow. Um, and it, they have to travel between, uh, two and three kilometers. That's the local <laughs> metric. So like, you know, one and a half miles, maybe, um, on average every day. And, uh, they collect 10 jerry cans. They measure it in these jerry cans and each jerry can has 20 liters. So you're talking about 450 pounds of water every single day that the average family, uh, has to carry one and a half miles. Um, and they have spent about six to eight hours collecting it because they have to queue up because there's not many water sources. So people are waiting in line for hours, um, just to get it. And then obviously transporting it, and they have to make multiple trips because you can only carry so much water. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's kind of the burden, um, that we saw a few years ago, um, and that we've been trying to find a way to sustainably 
uh, tackle, basically. Yeah, and so yours is a, a revenue-based model and a revenue-based type of solution for this. So essentially a market-driven solution for a real problem uh, and a real lack that's in this area of the world. Uh, how, uh, you know, what are the latest developments with the effort? Because you guys have put a lot of work into standing this up and a lot of ideation process and experimenting and trying to find mm -hmm. what fits, how it works. So maybe give us the update on, you know, what's happening, but then also maybe mention a few of the, uh, the key uh, points like development points where you guys were like aha moments or you really had a, okay this is going to work or this isn't going to work kind of things that brought you to where yeah. you're at you know sure sure well it's been a long journey uh we kind of started this uh journey about eight years ago um and we've tried a lot of things since then just to see what would work because we've always wanted to find something that could sustain itself um, the only way we saw a water solution sustaining itself was with having revenue. I mean, we, we looked at everything, everything that people are doing out there already, all, you know, all the other big NGOs and water, and then they're doing great work, but, um, we, we wanted to do something that was a little more kind of long-term sustainable. And the only way that could work is to have revenue, um, because we just would see, um, that, I mean, over half of the pumps basically would break down. Over half of the wells would collapse um, in the villages we looked at um, because of just lack of resources to maintain them because there's not really follow through. So we thought, well, how can we do that? Got to have revenue. Um, so we tried um, drilling a borehole uh, just using a manual method that's really affordable. And then, uh, and we did that in a community and that helped that community particularly, which was great. They took ownership of it, town's grown, but it didn't quite meet the model we were looking um, for. Uh, we, we couldn't quite find a way to make it revenue-based. We tried rainwater harvesting <laughs> and wow. we you did a ferro-cement water tank, a huge ferro-cement water tank, learn how to do that. And um, put that up in a community. Um, and I mean, great success, you know, helped that small community, but it, we, for, even for that, we couldn't find a way to make that bring in enough revenue and be sustainable throughout the year as well, based on rainfall patterns. Uganda is really rainy as a country, um, but it still has dry enough seasons where it would just be difficult to sustain. So, you know, we just kept trying different stuff. And finally we, um, thought, well, what about getting water to people just using traditional borehole and let's pair this with water distribution points. We, we, we floated the idea of delivering water to people directly mm. and we're going to go for that. Although that was going to be tricky, but we were going to try and pull it off with high, uh, just pushing lots of water out and then so that we could keep our margins slim enough to make it affordable um, and so that's kind of what we were gunning for, for a while. Um, and we were getting everything kind of set up and ready and the fuel prices were going up and that was kind <laughs> of going to sink our whole model, basically <laughs> just oh, no. had to keep adding to our fuel prices, you know, and we're like, oh my gosh, I mean, it's now up to like seven or $8 a gallon here in Uganda oh, my goodness. Um, for fuel. And so you're like, okay, well, <laughs> how am I ever going to recoup costs for delivery? And also, um, you know, make it affordable for people who have almost nothing. $50 a month is the average income for people that are actually working. And, uh, 80% of people don't have a job and wow. you know, that's the unemployment rate. So, so yeah, we were kind of put up against that, um, 
difficulty a couple of years ago that started really making things hard. And we thought, okay, well, we probably could make this work with electric bikes. And we're still actually looking into that. Interesting. There's some good opportunities there with some battery powered um, options. They've gotten a lot cheaper, but we were like, look, let's, let's look at this other technology that's kind of been coming around the last few years, which is called, um, well, there's different names for it, but smart taps, water kiosks are mm. uh, some of the names they use for them. And so it's like a little box basically uh, that you mount and you pump your water out of your well or your borehole. And then you just run that water through the tap. And when someone wants to come get water, they go to the tap with a little token and the token stores water credits, which mm. they have preloaded. And people are used to that concept here because they preload money onto their phones for all right. kinds of things. Even in the villages where they have almost nothing, they still have a little brick phone and they've preloaded some money for different things. So they're used to this concept. Um, so they'll preload their water credits and then they will come to the tap, put their tag up to the box and it will dispense water based on how many credits they have. And um, so that it, we are able to capture revenue that way. And uh, at the same time, um, put water out that's clean because we've been able to maintain it. And so that that's kind of um, just a quick summary of what we're doing right now and um, have actually just got set up our first phase of. So, Wow. That's quite a journey, even technologically and with the innovation and the ideas. You guys come through a lot of phases with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, how in the world do you get uh, – like infrastructure to those distribution points. I mean, what'd you have to do to get the water from a well to a distribution mm -hmm. point where it would actually make a difference quality of life wise for somebody? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we had to drill the borehole ourselves. That was kind of the focus um, is okay. Look, we have to be able to drill our own water source so we can provide it as cheaply as possible. Um, Cause I mean, well, that's also the problem with the communities we're serving is they don't have, good water sources to begin with. So we have to first create the water source. So we brought in a big drilling rig and we drilled a deep borehole and we um, started pumping out of that. And then we can run pipes to these water taps and we can put them in centralized locations around town to alleviate the water burden. And our site is in town that we picked our site um, to be in town. So we were close to the you know, the whole population hub where people are, there's about 25 or 30,000 people in Karuma total. Okay. Um, so they're clustered fairly well um, within the town, um, maybe a two kilometer radius or one and a half mile radius or something like that. Um, so we, yeah, drill the borehole and then you run a pipe to the water tap. Um, and then you've got, instead of having to try and pipe water to every single home or hut, since most of them are huts, which wouldn't be possible. I mean, we looked at that and because um, no one could afford to pay for a pipe test. It's a lot of infrastructure. <laughs> no, yeah, no yeah. one's gonna no one's gonna be able to re recoup costs on that sort of stuff because people just don't have the money to pay for it. Um, instead of that, then you just have a few centralized points throughout town, all feeding from the same borehole, um, and that just massively reduces your. And people are the the target is a, within a hundred yards of homes that's kind of what you target for water kiosks so you kind of find the thickest cluster and you try and plant one in the middle of that cluster within 100 yards and so you know if people can walk 100 yards or less to get water well that's way better than two to three kilometers you know one and a half yeah. miles 
Um, and if you have 10 water points in a town instead of like one or two for a huge population, then you're drastically reducing that time. People are having to line up and wait for water too. Um, not to mention you can control the quality and it can actually be clean. Whereas, for example, the water sources in Karuma are not clean except for ours. So, um, yeah, that's 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 kind of a quick rundown of how that wow works. it sounds like you probably spent more time running pipe than drilling a well how did how did you lace i mean what kind of length of pipe are you talking from your borehole to get well, water we, to these distribution points yeah we're, we're still in the early phase so we haven't hit the whole town yet we only have two water points so okay. far i mean we just got launched in fact we turned on the taps one month ago awesome um, finally so it's been a long journey just to get to this point yeah. so we've got two taps so far and they're only about a hundred yards from our borehole. Okay. I mean, the, probably the farthest we'll have to run pipe is about a kilometer. Okay. Um, so, you know, a thousand yards, thousand meters, I okay. should say. Um, so, and, and even that, um, it's not too, the expense really isn't that bad actually, when you look at it kind of in the grand scheme. So we're pretty excited about it. Um, but yeah, so the first two water taps are pretty close to home on purpose so that we can monitor them and just yeah. see how they do. We want to start putting a whole bunch out before we knew if it was going to work or not. Um, so we've just turned on the taps for the first two. How's the, how's the human experience been? Have you observed this? How is it uh, resonating with the population? I mean, is there a noticeable appreciation or difference or how's it mm -hmm. going over? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly what we were wanting to see um, by just putting two in first. Um, and I went just last week to visit the site because it's, it's a ways away from where we live. Um, so I went on site to see how it was going and to meet, uh, some of our subscribers actually, cause we, um, have just, you know, started signing people up for it and people are getting on board and, uh, it was really, um, really rewarding and really amazing actually to hear people express their profound appreciation for the clean water we're giving them. Mm. Um, cause you know, you, you try this thing, <laughs> you, you know, you put your heart and soul into it and your money too. Um, yeah. All sorts of stuff. And years, years of your life. And just, yeah. And it's like, man, you know, what, is this going to work or are we ever going to find something that works? And we, you know, so yeah, since we have had our first subscribers sign up and I was able to meet some of them, um, I mean, they told me things like, this is the first time we've ever had clean water ever. Wow. In our lives, you know, and just hear someone, you know, you think that you're like, okay, well, this is what the numbers show. And this is what we've kind of figured, but to hear someone tell you that and say, thank you for bringing us clean water. Wow. Thank you so much. And we're just like, man, this is okay. So this is actually helping people <laughs> like yeah. people are verbally expressing um, how life-changing this is and telling us, Hey, our kids aren't getting diarrheal illnesses all the time. They're not sick all the time from the dirty swamp water they're drinking, you know, yeah. they can actually go to school now. And um, yeah, so so much appreciation from people um, who have signed up so far. And um, that's been really, really exciting um, to see that. Yeah. Humanistic side of things. Um, yeah. Man. Well, that, man, that must, yeah, that must be very relieving after the amount of work and the amount of, uh, <laughs> cost essentially in that so being that it's a revenue generating model 
uh, is your essentially your goal or your anticipation that you've stood up a company that will uh, function on its own with local employees or, or how's your model at this point for sustaining the business side of it, the business operation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we have employees, local Ugandan employees. Um, and the ultimate goal is to be bringing in enough revenue to pay all of their salaries and have money to keep the pumps maintained and keep, you know, all of our facilities up to and maintained and you know all of that and so actually i mean we pay our staff pretty well <laughs> we probably pay them 50 percent more mm. than what anyone else um i know we do actually because we know what a lot of local salaries are in the area we pay them yeah a lot better than um other people just because you know we want to try and push that even though we could get away with paying them less right? and they would be very happy just to have a job because there's so much unemployment, but we're like, you know, let's start off paying them well. And they're, and and they're really happy about that, which was another really fun thing to see when I visited the site and we're talking to staff, they were super appreciative for the jobs and for the good pay. But the amazing thing is, even though we're paying them relatively so much more, it's still so little, um, we can, we would be able to pay all of our staff salaries, and we have five staff in Karuma, um, we would be able to pay all of their salaries with just two water taps being completely maxed out. If, okay. we, if we signed up enough subscribers um, to basically just maximize the output on just two taps, we could pay for all of our workers' salaries, which is nuts because that's just the beginning. That only right. serves one-tenth of the whole community. So if we then were able to expand and add more water taps from then on, we've taking care of our overhead, our base, and then we can actually start bringing in profit, not profit for us, but profit to be able to grow and expand, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, so that's, it's really exciting to see that potential, you know, for growth. Yeah. And it's more of like a holistic raising of the water level, so to speak for the whole town or for your company uh, with kind of an employment ecosystem versus just a handout from a foreign entity. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's very holistic. That's what we're going for. Yeah. That makes total sense. And then as this has developed and you've kind of crafted and refined this model, found a sustainable uh, revenue model, essentially for this kind of environment, this kind of location, do you anticipate uh, expanding this, like taking this and making it replicable replicable to other areas in uh, Uganda and around Uganda or even beyond that? Or how does this play out in a bigger sense? Right, right. Yeah, it's funny. From uh, the early days, we thought, you know, let's, we'll just do this. And if it works well, we'll just take it big and just keep going, you know. And and then as you start really getting into the, you know, nuts and bolts and start getting kind of beat down, (laughs) (laughs) golly, the slog of getting it all, especially in, uh, you know, the place like we're at, um, we, you know, we kind of step back from that. I'm like, okay, I'm weary. <laughs> let's just, let's, let's just do this. And then, right. we'll, and then we'll pray about it or keep praying about it, I guess, really, because it's kind of an active conversation um, and just wait and hear, you know, what do we need to do? Do we need to expand this or not? So it could, if it was, if it um, became truly profitable, and we were able to get more water kiosks and bring in revenue. I would, I would consider continuing to expand it 
but I'm not sure that that's what we're supposed to do or not. So, um, right. Honestly, my dream would be to find someone who is excited and wants to take it over. And I'm like, all right, here it is. It works. Go. <laughs> you know, that yeah. would be my dream. So in theory, <laughs> even if it wasn't you personally running it, uh, whatever expansion, it is it is expandable as a model, would you say? And that's, yeah, that's the goal. Is it expandable and does it work in Karuma, which is a very difficult town to work in right. uh, of all towns, in fact. And so kind of, yeah, if it works here, it could work anywhere. And that in itself is really a win for the kingdom because you're getting ideas and wisdom and insight from God as you prayerfully uh, work through this for years. And then you're coming up with, you're taking basically that idea, that input from God and, and the work of your hands, and you're establishing something that's essentially a manifestation of wisdom, a manifestation of uh inspiration from god on how to meet real human needs and deliver the love of god to people and the and the value yeah. that he has for people in the form of clean water and so um that i would almost say is like a a kingdom thought leadership win on a big scale mm -hmm. and that when people other people see what you've done and what you've put into this they may not have to spend the years now trying to figure it out they can be like hey in my area they did it there we could do something like this as well. We can leverage that yeah. wisdom that God's given these guys uh, to do that. Do you see that kind of as a potential, like an inspiration yeah. for people? I hope so. I hope it is. Yeah. I, I definitely hope that that, um, that is inspiration to people, you know, for the right reasons, right? Not just the metric measurable success, really, um, but more than anything, right. the success in the kingdom, like you said, um, yeah. The heart of it, the ethos of it Absolutely. is really important. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. Yeah. And yeah, it's really, I really just more and more see that God is so committed to human flourishing. And so this just speaks volumes to me about yes. what he Absolutely. wants to do in the kingdom uh, in and through his people uh, that, yeah. you know, this may just some people might hear, Hey, water project, Hey, clean water. And they're, they might be wondering, you know, where's the spirituality of that well this to me speaks of the spirituality of delivering god's yeah. heart not just free water or clean water or something like that right, right. to people but manifesting his heart to these people so absolutely. inspiring absolutely no that's that's exactly it I, i'm 100 percent on board with with that and we believe that too that that's actually showing god's love in a tangible way by providing water you know, as our particular way of doing it is the king, bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Right. Um, and so that's, yeah, absolutely. First clean water they've ever had in their life. That's hard for people to imagine. Yeah. I, you know, I can't imagine really. <laughs> oh, man. I can't imagine. So as, as you guys, as a family, at least, you know, kind of are on the, probably the, I guess the last phase of the startup aspect of this and potentially transitioning uh, back to the U.S. Is that still on the uh, near-term horizon or intermediate-term horizon? Yeah, yeah. Actually, this summer we are headed back stateside. Um, we uh, we feel very strongly that we're supposed to be based back in the states. Okay. At this point, and so and we actually felt like we could have stepped away last year, 2022, um, in terms of operations um, because our staff was so competent and running everything so well in such a godly manner in fact with lots of integrity just i mean knocking it out of the park that we you know 
prayed about a lot. And I mean, I was like, well, most of what I'm doing is actually pretty remote anyways, in terms of remote management. Um, We could go back to the States, but we felt like we were supposed to stay um, through this summer, 2023. Um, And so we, we have stayed and it's been really rewarding to see, you know, things kind of really take off. Um, So yeah, we'll, we'll be based stateside um, beginning 2023 summer. So as you look at that, that kind of departure point or, uh, you know, kind of milestone for this effort for you guys, what, what would you hope things look like on the ground there by the time you get to the airport at the end of this? Like, what are you hoping to see established or what's the, what's the, um, concluding vision, so to speak at that point as a milestone? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd love to see, you know, a few hundred families signed up, you know, and um, I think that would bring in some good revenue and <laughs> just kind of, yeah, be proof, proof that things are working well. Um, it's, I'd love to see it keep growing. I'd love to see, um, yeah, just growth, continued growth, I think. Okay. And we're, we're you know getting revenue right now, which is a first and just amazing to see that. And so I'd love to see that just keep expanding and, um, honestly, yeah, uh, I feel like even as we get back to the States, like it's just going to keep going. Um, cause we're still, it's still going to be growing and the staff is still going to be working on expanding it. And we'll still be trying to help with that in whatever way we can from the States. Um, so yeah, I feel like we've already hit a key milestone, which was getting the taps turned on and getting people's signed up just the first few families. I mean, 45 families as of last week. Um, And so, yeah, I feel a lot of peace about it, even at this point, um, knowing that we have, we've kind of started this and it's, it it is launched and it is active at this point. And so um, at this point, it's just kind of getting word of mouth out there and getting expanded. And, um, but yeah, I'd say, you know, more, more subscribers would be great. <laughs> just getting the workout probably, <laughs> which is kind of slowly happening as people just, right. you know, we're, we're coming to people and all that, but. Yeah. Well, when you come up with an appropriate economy solution like this uh, for an area that's absolutely destitute in a lot of ways uh, and that it can be revenue sustained and that is uh, sustainable and it can grow, uh, that's a rare accomplishment actually in these type of projects. Uh, what, advice okay so what advice would you give at this point to like a redemptive entrepreneur says hey i'd like to do something like you're doing or i've got this kind of idea but they're probably from say a western background they're feeling really compelled you know to run with the vision do a startup effort something uh you know in maybe even in the arena of human flourishing in the kingdom but you know how do you what do you say to them at this point in your journey if they come up to you and ask that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if they're a kingdom entrepreneur and that means, you know, they believe in God and I hope that means they believe in hearing God, then I'd say that is the fundamental key um, throughout this whole journey uh, more than anything. Um, it's been hearing God speak and listening, taking, not just taking time, but building it into your work routine of listening to God and communicating with him back and forth as you're working on these things and figuring out just how do I make this happen? You know, 
God, how am I going to get to this next solution? You know, how is this going to (laughs) work? I have no idea how we're going to make this work because that's been, (laughs) that's been the story for most of the years is how are we going to do this? You know, how on earth is, how on earth can we make this sustainable? And so I think the only way we were able to even come to this was just by listening and tuning in and just saying, God, lead me to what we need to do in this season. Um, And not just, not just for, you know, those sorts of solutions of practical technical solutions, maybe, but even just, you know, relational based solutions, like our biggest, I'd say our biggest um, kind of success, the absolute key to why this water project has even done as well as it has, has been having great leadership, local leadership on ground. Okay. Um, finding that person who could just keep this project going, a Ugandan, you know, who knows the culture, knows the local languages, who knows how to interact in all of these sticky situations with government and you right. know, different offices. And they, I mean, they, you know, they've been here their whole lives, but not just knows how to do that, but it's full of integrity, truly trusts and follows God and has a heart for his people. Yeah. And that's someone we, it's like, how do you find that person? You can't ask for that on a resume. And that's, that's kind of one of the biggest difficulties is how do you find that person? Because you could look at resumes all day. Right. That doesn't tell you anything about their heart. And so discernment, you know, and the only way you can discern is to be able to hear God telling you who to trust and who not to trust. Um, Hmm. So I'd say, yeah, it all comes down to hearing God speak and starting that process way before you've gotten into the deep end. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> when you're still in the States, just working a normal job, maybe you're doing whatever, like that's where that starts in your home life and your job um, in your day to day. And so, I mean, because you can't expect that just to suddenly start when you're running a business or trying to start something in a super high stress <laughs> location in a new country and culture, like those things are going to push God out of your, um, kind of out of your thoughts. If, unless you have already kind of developed a habit of listening to him and, um, working with him in all that you do. So I, yeah, that would be, I'd say the key, um, fundamental thing, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> I would recommend anyone do because everything else is is just kind of brain power. <laughs> and right. so it's like, th- there's great tips too. Like, I mean, kind of from a less spiritual standpoint, you might say, I don't know, but networking has been huge, you know, meeting people to find that person, a character that's been tremendous. Um, and, um, you know, I don't know, trusting God, but that's kind of spiritual again. (laughs) (laughs) As are all things, Uh, right? (laughs) Yeah. And and then, you know, kind of on the, on the far end of it, once you've already got into something like this, I would, I would probably say to anyone getting into it, don't, don't wrap your identity up in it either. Don't make it your baby. That's a huge one that I've learned is, I mean, I, yeah, I don't let it rule my life. If it completely crashed and burned, this whole water thing and nothing had ever come from it. I made my peace with God years ago. Right. <laughs> I talked with him a lot about it. I was like, God, we put a lot into this, <laughs> you know, and w- 
what are you going to think of me? Not what are other people going to think, but what are you going to think of me if it doesn't have measurable worldly success? And he told me a long time ago that my identity wasn't founded in this. It was only founded in following him and doing what he told me. Even if it didn't have the worldly success I was looking for, that was okay. It didn't matter. Yeah. And so that just saying, okay, my identity is not in this. It's not my baby. It's not my kid. I don't need to let it control and consume my life. That's helped me a lot actually have balance with my family and um, yeah, not be overwhelmed by this whole thing. Um, so, yeah. So I hear you saying having your identity sorted out in the Lord uh, before getting into something like this or Absolutely. any kind of high pressure startup business about that we could talk about that for a long time (laughs) (laughs) because you see a lot of that gone wrong where people are getting their identity in their work and their ngo and profit and the christian stuff they're doing and man they just it just jades them so bad because then they can't quit or if they look bad then that's everything you know because they their whole identity has been built around you know, being in the newsletter or being up on screen at church or just being promoted at different grant raising events, you know, and um, they can't lose without losing their identity. It's like, you know, that's 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 bondage, isn't it? It's a form of bondage to be locked absolutely into something like that. I've seen that so much, especially living over here and meeting lots of people, lots of great people, so many great people, but a lot of that bondage is going on too. And I feel really um, burdened for those people. Um, so yeah, definitely get your identity sorted out <laughs> before you try and save the world. <laughs> <laughs> then that's the about talk about having a difficult place to have a work life balance, so to speak, in this kind of environment yeah. and this kind of project. I, I would see this the identity component component as being crux for this, for freedom, for success, for you know, living above the challenge is not being crushed by the weight of things in the middle Absolutely. of things. Absolutely. Because it can be crushing, especially with the startup. A startup and doing it yourself is brutal. <laughs> Every little thing comes back to you. Well, I would say it's probably true for a startup anywhere, not just in remote Uganda, but if you're trying to start Absolutely. up a business in Northwest Arkansas or wherever, Absolutely. I mean, you're going to uh-huh. face some similar dynamics, similar 100%. spiritual uh, equation going on. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It's the exact same. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you are. Just different. It looks different on the face, but yeah. So if people want to go do something like this somewhere else, like you're saying, they should really cultivate that here. So that they're, that's how they get mm-hmm. solid. That's how they get sorted yep. before they move yep. out into anything. Yeah, absolutely. The spiritual know-how is way more important. I think than the business know-how, um, it just, yeah. I agree. That's my thought. <laughs> That's incredible. It, it sometimes seems simple on the front end or on the outside, but when you're really in the middle of it, you realize how important it is. And yeah, 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 it really, because you don't know until yeah. you get into it. And you so, absolutely, I don't, I didn't know. I didn't have a clue, yeah. you know, <laughs> get into it. You're like, oh God, save me, <laughs> help me. <laughs> I'm floundering here. What am I yeah. Do? So it's better for people in this audience yeah. to hear the voice of experience than to have to repeat the same mistakes, you know, yeah, going forward. Definitely. Uh-huh. Definitely. Yep. That, that's it. That's good. Yeah. Oh, I love this. I love this story. I love this journey you guys have been on and all the wisdom you guys have been able to share. I think it really uh, 
ups the level of awareness and hope and ideas and confidence just in people that hear this and say, you know, these guys paid the price. They saw it work out. They were willing to do this and they could do something similar, you know, that could really manifest the love and the care and the kindness of God to people in the worst circumstances that might be in the backwoods of a remote country, or it could be in a broken down part of their own city. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's everywhere. That's incredible. And well, thank you for the update, Matt. And thanks for uh, all your faithfulness and being so open and transparent about your journey. I know a lot of people are going to benefit from this and the kingdom of God will be aided through your investment. Just like you said, sometimes (laughs) you don't see it. You can't see it when you're in it, but uh, it's man. Yeah. Amen. That's true. (laughs) It's good to remember that. (laughs) Yes. For the big picture, God values all of this. this is incredible. Well, great. Well, we'll look forward to circling back with you guys when you get more developments and as things come together for your pending return to the U.S. And can't wait to see what the next phase looks like. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on the show, Jonathan. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.